It's not an hour and a half of aggravation. There's lots of times in the show where we don't sound aggravated. That's uh, it's a good 60 minutes. That's racist. <laughs> <laughs> I know. There's, there's, it's, an, it's at least 60 minutes, and then there's 20 minutes of fart jokes. That, this is the joy podcast. It is the joy. We bring joy to people. I'm I, sure you do. By the way, I got a I got a neat little joke. If you want, you know, to keep, you know, if we need a moment of levity or yeah, I can't wait or whatever. Yeah. It's a it's a, is a things that rhyme with the science table. No, no. no. <laughs> is it a dad joke that I'm included in your book? No, uh, no. Okay, Not really. So when the mo- when the moment when the show gets too dark, then you're just yeah. gonna or no, or you want to just throw it out there now because I feel a darkness okay. has descended upon us. Well, it's sort of like a cool sort of pop culture joke. Oh, I like those. Sure. But, you know. Uh, yeah. So it's not a dad joke, uh, Dan. No. Okay. All right. Well, we look forward to the moment you're going to bring yeah, it. I'll floor. tell you what's a joke. I'll, I'll tell you what's a joke is that what? how loud Dan's microphone is. Mm. <clears throat> anyway, uh, what's your joke? Do you want to start with it? Okay, here we go. Why did Will Smith hit Chris Rock with an open hand? Why did Will Smith hit Chris Rock with an open hand, Fred? Paper beats rock. (laughs) (laughs) Paper beats rock. I get that. I get it. I don't have any. uh, Hang on a second. Hold on. How would a professional comic uh, categorize that joke? <laughs> well, I, I would say this. That's, you may not want to open with that. Okay? Get him on your yeah. side first. Right. Yeah. Uh, before the show, I would like to address this issue. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. And Dan... I just want you to know this is completely legit. Yes. It's completely legit. This is from like, somebody. By somebody, not you. That was not written by me. And you can turn your mic back up now because I don't know what you've done. All right. So this is from somebody, Fred. I don't know if you saw it. It came to Humble and Fred at Humble and Fred Radio.com. Hi, guys, says M. Witten, spelled W I G H T O N. Just listening to today's show. And currently uh, listening to the start where you're talking about the scale. The fix is simple. Dan bought a wall clock. (laughs) Hey! Shit. Yeah. When you start with with this much comedy, it's hard to sustain. No, it's too much. That's why. (laughs) It is. That's a really good point, which is why we get dark, Dan, because that's easier to sustain. That's from Matt Witten, who says, keep up the awesome job. Yeah. So it's not just gloom and doom, Dan. I get it, yes. By the way, the scale's working now. I took the batteries out and put it back oh. in and rebooted the thing, and now, now it's, uh, it's fine. Oh, cool. So now I can... Uh, Did you weigh, weigh yourself? I did, but it was wrong because it was, you know, it's with clothes on later in the day. It just wasn't right. No, no okay. Well, like well, today. Why didn't you weigh yourself this morning? Yeah. Naked? I kind of forgot. 
So now I've already had two cups of coffee and, you know, yeah. a glass of Man, water. What a process. Through. Jesus. Have you actually okay. signed up for the Noom app yet? It's coming okay. today. Jesus, I've got the. I've got to wait. I've got to wait. Yeah, to kind of. Yeah, but range there. I have a weight range. So, do you do you have it right beside like the counter or the vanity so that you can lay your lumber on there so it it's not part <laughs> of the weight equation? So you just you take your your trunk there and you lay it on the counter and that way it won't count as part of the noom thing. That's because noom won't work for you if that if that's part of the equation no no yeah. <laughs> it just won't yeah because you can't lose weight there right mm-hmm. thank you for that advice fred mm-hmm. yes yeah i'm All i'm right. just surprised like a guy is adept as dan when it comes to technical stuff and and you're also very good with computer stuff and apps and but there's something like, I don't know. Listen, you don't have to do this. When you said you wanted to, and I said to Fred, okay, well, let's get Dan involved. It'll be great. He can be uh, our Noom correspondent for a couple months. I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's my theory, Howard. What's you know, the sometimes you agree to something and then you sit back and you think, why did I do that? Because now yeah. those guys are going to be bugging me every day, every week about how much I weigh, how it's going, what did I eat? Mm-hmm. You know, am I following it properly? And he's thinking to himself, I don't really want to deal with that. So I got to find a way to wiggle out of this. Dan, if that's the situation, just admit it. (laughs) It's not the the situation. We're we're close to the trailer, which means, you know, your wine consumption is going to go up like two, threefold. Yeah, but I'll be socializing a little bit more, so... Maybe oh I'll yeah, learn. you lose weight socializing. Well, that's what they say. That's a, you know, I was just going to say that that is the number one cause of weight loss. You know, they talk about it being a psychology based uh, program, Fred, and that's what they said. They said if you really want to lose the most weight, go to festivals and rib fest, that kind of thing. Go to the fair. Socialize. Yeah, go to social. Go to as many. You know what they say, oftentimes Thanksgiving and Christmas. That's when people really lose weight. It's when it just falls off. Yeah. Dan. I was thinking that in an isolated situation, you know, you go to the fridge a lot more because it's right there. And then mm-hmm. you've got, uh, you know, lots of chips and things that aren't necessarily but good. But that's not there. you. you. You're not a chip guy. You're not a snack guy, really, are you? Well, I like a crunchy thing. So I'm oh. not, I, I'm, potato chips is not really my thing. But, you know, taco chips are. And you That's know, right. You always, have a big, and, you always have a big bag of those Costco uh, uh, nachos, corn yeah. chip, nacho yeah, chips. Okay. Yeah. Um, but honestly, Dan, if that's your situation, like better now because it's going to be ridiculous <laughs> yeah. over the next couple of months if we're badgering you all the time. And you know, no, I need to dive in because you all know. All right, what you want? <laughs> hey, dude, no offense, but do- I, no offense, but you were here a week ago Monday. That's like nine, ten days. You passed dive in a long time ago. Diving in would have been the next day. Right well, now, what you've done? Wait, right now you're wading in. You're about you're about just over your ankles. I need to steal myself in the I process. Know. I got to get ready for. The okay, well. Yeah. See, when you were at my place on Monday night, I think you had maybe, what, maybe three helpings of pad thai? Well, your wife kept saying, hey, have I some know. more, have some more. Yeah. I said no, and then I uh, couldn't oh, resist. then you did, you did. You had no willpower. See, that all must come to an end, so just know that. <laughs> <laughs> no matter what Dahl says, I'll say mm-hmm. 
I'll show the app. <laughs> you are your own phone. fat guy monitor. Right. Okay. Can't wait. Oh, I know. He can't wait. Yeah. Well, hey, the, we- the weekend, the Humble and Fred weekend starts after today. As soon right. as I get off the air, I'll noom up. I'll get the whole process on the go. And then on Monday, I'll have the thing in hand, I would imagine. Oh. And it's not really that bad for someone like you because you indulge and let you never ever look. You never look at. I've never looked at Dan and thought, "Ooh, he's carrying some weight." Never ever. So, what a great start you have compared to the rest of us. Yeah. Okay. Well, you just got to uh, keep you know, it off. I'm, like what? Well, I'm on. Yeah, I've, traditionally Dan has always been lithe and fairly thin, and obviously a giant man arms. Yeah. But you know the reason that Dan inquired about it obviously heard us talking about it like a lot of humble and fred listeners and we've had some conversations when dan comes over for his weed sessions with me Uh and um but you know admittedly dan you know like a lot of men our age has a few extra pounds for the first time in his life you know and then that he's into his mid-70s it's not as easy (laughs) for dan but no i'm being serious though you you did say hey you know you, you sort of noticed when you'd seen me after my trip that i'd sort of lost some of my you know, gut area, and and you were saying you would like to do that too. It's not like you have a lot of weight to lose, but you could no, probably you could probably this- lose ten pounds and and be in better. You know, it'd be good for you, and that's Absolutely. not a lot. And it was also around my birthday. I'm starting thinking, okay, well, I, you know, I want to, I want to be as healthful as I am right now into, you know, later years. And, yeah, exactly. Got to make some changes. I do think I'd have to do more exercise. And well, what's aggravating okay. about a guy like Dan? He's made it abundantly clear over the years, uh, to me anyway, that he hates exercising. The ac- the idea of a gym and weights and everything, right, Dan? You hate <clears> it. You I absolutely hate it. Yeah. Hate it. Well, why? As long as I've known you, and okay, okay, the last few years, maybe a couple of pounds, old guy pounds, but through your 30s and 40s, you never, ever worked out. Why did you have, like, muscle man arms and stuff? Where? How did that happen? Like, if you're... I don't know. I've always been involved in something that's... What? You know, physical, like, like construction <laughs> stuff or... What construction what? stuff? What? What do you mean? What? No, I'm know. just saying he went, What? Maybe no, the odd little bit of construction thing, but it, it it no. Here's the thing: it's funny genetics or it's absolutely whatever. genetics. Yeah, some guy like I have a nephew like that. You know, he's just always been. You know, he doesn't work out, but he's always had a great build on him, and it's. Mm. it's well, I like, guess I, I, how do you explain that? Well, I, I mean, know. if you had to lift that thing in and out of your pants every day of your life, I mean, at some point, <laughs> hey. Let's start then, shall we? <laughs> this God episode of Humble it. and Fred is being broadcast to the world from Humble and Fred Studios in Brampton, in Toronto, and on the western shores of Shimong Lake. Mm-hmm. And is brought to you by Gig Sky, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Bodog, Health Gauge, and GoDaddy. And now, here are two men whose spring means different things. For Howard, a white ball soaring through the guided air. I'm sorry, through the air, guided by skill and determination. For Fred, a Canada goose soaring through the air, guided by fear of the angry loud noises coming from his old white guy self. Yes, the flying shit machines have returned. It's time for Humble and Fred. Thank you, Dan Duran. What did the janitor say when he jumped out of the closet, Fred? Supplies! (laughs) (laughs) Supplies! That's a dad. My bad! 
What did the ocean, uh, Dan, what did the ocean say to the beach? Nothing. It just waved. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are classics. Yeah. I got to remember that one. Yeah, remember that last one. Those are good ones. No, the guy yeah. jumping out of the... I'll use that on the kids. Yeah. I'll say. It's a I'll good say, one. what did the janitor... Yeah, the caretaker... Whatever they call the guy at school that does that shit. What is it? The janitor? Yeah. What did the janitor say? Yeah, they'll love that. And then yeah. they'll go spread it around the school and they'll probably get in trouble for demeaning, you know... Uh, janitors. A janitor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speaking of... Uh, speaking of comedians, I don't know this guy, but he came recommended and... You know, why not? Every once in a while, we it's good to get some new people on the show. It's a comedian from the States uh, named Ron Placone or Placone. I, I really don't know. He's at the Social Capital Theater in Toronto in the next little while. He's going to be on our show today. He's been seen on the Discovery Channel, uh, Crosstalk, TMZ. He hosts his own podcast, as you can imagine, called Get Your News On with Ron. I thought he'd be good for us because he's sort of a news-oriented American, probably a little bit like Noel. He's got a good perspective on things. Uh, He'll be hanging around with us. Dan Duran, of course, with his news. And uh, before we leave the Noom thing, honestly, you should just decide. Because it really is going to be a a month, at least, of kind of having a keep track and be accountable to yourself about what you're eating and if honestly i mean if you know you don't have to do it it's more of just like hey i thought maybe you'd wanted to but no no i do want to do it and i think it's okay, a good time well, of but year. i don't want I mean, to feel you know, any pressure i mean you got you got enough pressure on you yeah okay you know i think i'll be fine okay and look forward to it. well we're here to guide you we're here to help you if you have some questions about the app we're both pretty fluent in it now and just remember what Howard has said when he gained his weight, and he's done a great job of keeping it off since. Hence, whence, how much wine oh, yeah. can put weight on you? So stop whining. <laughs> well, seriously, because I, I listen. I see you and Colton sitting down to dinner over the summer, and it's always like reasonable portions. I don't see you. Like with a bunch of still on the barbecue, keep going back. I mean, I've always somewhat been somewhat impressed with that. So if you're gaining weight, it's probably all the sugar through the wine you drink. Could be, yeah. And I thought about that too. I mean, you know, the more you read about alcohol, it is uh, it's not good for you. So I mean, just sort of back off that as well, much as possible. Everything in moderation. It's just in moderation. Yeah. That's that's the problem. Is the uh, definition of moderation? Yeah. It, I will say this, it's insidious. It sneaks up on you. As you age, you are not likely to drink less because your idea, your mental, you know, um, concept of what moderate is. Because when I, you know, I tell the story, I turned 40. You guys are at my 40th birthday party. I had hardly ever drank wine in my life. We were having steak that night and I just, something clicked in that connection between the red wine and the steak. And then, you know, I went on to uh, a year later putting wine labels in a book. <laughs> you know, I mean, as, as obsessive as I got, but I was drinking a lot more wine in my 40s and 50s. Yeah, I, I remember that. It was just weird. Even up at the trailer, up at the Tin Palace, there was this, I don't know if revolution is the word or whatever, where all of a sudden people were drinking wine. When, when we had dinner together, when it used to be just beers, all of a sudden the wine came out. Yeah. 
It was interesting. Well, we've all it, known each other. It happened around that time. <clears throat> well, we all knew each other in our 30s, and Dan and I, since we were teenagers. Yeah. But I don't recall hanging out with you guys in our 30s. No. Where wine was part of the conversation. L- not Lumby, but it was my buddy Fraser, and I think... I don't know if it was Darren or somebody, but there's a few people talking about the wine that night. And I always say, you know, I remember saying to somebody like, hey, why don't you keep it down with the wine time? You know, when I was making fun of mocking it. And again, a year later, I was putting labels in a book, but it, but it was sort of why coinciding. I was, why Mike, were you putting labels in a book? Why was that? Well, because I went from never drinking wine to wanting to find out everything I could find out about it. And my kids got me this. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. It was, a, this is before, <laughs> remember, this is before, you know, apps and things where I had a book where I would find a nice bottle that I liked and then I would take the label and I would put it in the book. Yeah. Why? So that I would remember it. I could keep notes. It, it, was, a, it was a book of four wine oh, of people that, that pre- Dan bought me a, um, a book I think it was called the Wine Bible for one of my birthdays. Mm-hmm. The point I'm trying to make, though, is I went from zero to drinking it all no. the time, but it, it coincided sure. with what you're saying. All of a sudden, all of us were drinking wine. And I'll tell you, I, I was the same way. I enjoyed wine with a steak or whatever. And, you know, having a wife that doesn't drink like at all really helps. Because the idea of Monday to Friday or whatever, like a weekday of having a dinner and and having wine with it, I would never do that because she didn't. And if I did without her, she would have looked at me like, oh, what's your problem? You got a drinking problem? (laughs) (laughs) Well, she would. Uh, Anyway, by the way, Dan, Sleeman 2.0 is a green beer, just so you know. And it's not bad. Crack Canoe isn't bad either. It's a yellow at the low end of the green or at the low end of yellow. Green meaning what? Well, you'll see. You'll find out. Yeah. You'll find out. Oh, okay. And, 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 so yeah, once you, yeah, once you're registered for the app, we should all, I mean, off the show, but or, you know, we can do it for the Noom. I mean, Noom's getting some extra advertising, but, but it really isn't very difficult, Dan. You'll catch on in a day. It's just, right. and not, none of this is difficult. It's just a matter of how much you want to, you know, to, to yeah, take on. Stick to, stick to it. Well, you know, like a... Men generally, and this is aggravating to women, but men generally lose a lot of weight very quickly. I'm not sure if we were talking to Uchi about this or I was talking to him, but but a lot of men will lose four or five pounds in the first 10 to 15 or 10 to 14 days of, of, of dieting because there's a lot of, you know, a lot of water weight that goes and, and you'll lose your weight very quickly, I promise. Okay. All right. All right. And we're here, okay. for your, we're here to support you All now right. that you've figured out the scale. That. Yeah, now that <laughs> <laughs> the part done. Yeah. Okay. All right. But, uh, don't lose right. too much because then you'll just look like a walking cock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's right. I'll hey, see you um, guys in the latest. Yes, you'll look like just be nothing but a skinny yeah. cock. Yeah. This here's a By the way, Dan, you before you go, this guy died. Man, come on. What? C.W. McCall, yeah, man. I just saw this in the news the other day. We didn't even acknowledge it. He had a good run. He He did have a good run. run. He had a big convoy all the way to heaven. He changed society. Yes, he did. Freedom! 
Uh, Dan Duran's news coming up later. Thanks, Dan. The 6th of June in a Kenworth pulling logs. Cabo yeah, I think you made the... I can't remember. You, well, you <laughs> referred to it, but you made the point the other day about, you know, how much diffi- how much more difficult this might have been for me if I was still drinking. It would be impossible for me. Because there's not enough calories that you're allowed in a day that would have allowed for the amount of wine I was drinking. But I'm also lucky Rachel doesn't drink. You know, she'll have, you know, she'll have a second drink occasionally. And I don't mind pouring her glasses of wine or whatever she's drinking. I don't mind doing it. It doesn't bother me anymore. It never actually did. But it's not like, but it would be difficult. And I've said this to her. If she drank, you know, like a lot that might be a bit weird for me. I don't necessarily yeah. like having a lot of booze in the house, although there's probably some in here. You know, there's usually a, a cooler or something in the fridge. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. <clears throat> the way I, yeah. Yeah, if we ever had gotten into the wine with dinner thing, I'd weigh 900 pounds. I know I would. Yeah. Because, again, you know, you can, in the game, there's, as I said, that's slim and clear 2.0, right? It's like, even a tall boy is like 90 calories and two carbs. It's, mm-hmm. this side, it's just this side of water. You couldn't get a wine like that and, and enjoy it. Like, you can, there's some diet beers like that where you can actually enjoy them. And, like, Crack Canoe is another one. It's yeah. a little more. But it's actually a nice beer, but it's only like a hundred cal- a tall boy's like a hundred calories and four carbs or something. The equivalent of that in wine probably doesn't exist. No, I don't think it does. Yeah. Well, like the sober carpenter, I love that beer, by the way. It's my it's my fa- well, right now it's my favorite non alcoholic beer. There's others, but you know, Darren and I went back and forth about this, your buddy and my buddy. Right. Um, it's sixty calories and it's a tall boy. You know, so you're getting right. a lot of volume. It's a, you know what it is really the perfect noom beer because high volume, low calorie. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the secret. I was explaining that to Dan, that you're just looking for foods that you get a lot of volume but not mm-hmm. many calories. And you know, and so but back to your drinking a cracked canoe, like you're only getting a couple more, you know, percentage of alcohol than a non-alcoholic beer. Mm-hmm. The only problem with it is you're only, oh, I'm sorry. Are those tall boys you said? Yep. Oh, okay. Well, that's pretty good. All I buy is tall boys. It's funny. But the, a, a regular size beer seems weird to me. It's just with the advent of a craft beer, craft beer never comes in your standard 355 mil. They're always tall boys. Really? And that sort of got me into the the tall boy thing. So if I go buy Sleem and Clear or Crack Canoe, I just always get tall boys. You don't. You know what I mean. You don't have to go back to the. <laughs> That's right. If you just want to be a piss tank, um, I said to you before the show. There's some, you know the Masters. Of, I don't know if you know about the Masters. The Masters. That's not what I want to play. Uh, the Masters starts today. Is this the, where is the actual theme I'm trying to play with? And I obviously am very excited, and you know, it goes without saying. Oh, here we go. Uh, the coverage starts, uh, I was mentioning TSN, I think it's on three or four of their channels. They've got actual first round coverage, they've got Amen Corner, they've got Featured Group, they have somebody watching guys warm up on the range. It's really quite something. And, uh, you know, all excitement about Tiger Society has no chance of winning. Sorry. You know, I love Tiger, and, and uh, nothing would be more amazing than to see him 
somehow win, but it's not going to happen. I just, you know, not to be a big bummer for you tiger lovers like me, but it's just, it's just not possible. I mean, it's, I shouldn't say that. It's not un- impossible. It's just not likely to happen. Yeah, highly unlikely. Highly unlikely. Thank you. Given given the landscape, the circumstances, and what have you. Yeah, but yeah, definitely possible in a crazy world. Absolutely. Listen, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, that's why I took that. It's definitely within the realm of possibility if he makes the cut. For you non-golfers, uh, after two rounds, they weedle, they they weed the, the field down and uh, the top 45 or 50 within 10 shots of the lead, whatever their criteria is. If he made the cut, that would be amazing. It'll obviously make it even more interesting if for some reason he's within a few shots of the lead and he's still playing on Sunday and his leg hasn't broken. That'll be awesome. But I don't think he'll win. Do you want to know who I think will win? Absolutely. A kid named Justin Thomas. He's like Tiger's buddy. He's uh, won a uh, major already, but he's just one of those people. He's just in a... You can see the last month or so. I guess it's like hockey players. You, know, you can sort of see when good players are trending in a certain way. Well, I, I, that's my pick anyway. Um, and he wouldn't be a bad... I'm in a master's pool, and I've got him and a few other guys. Mike Weir would be uh, nice to see him have a nice weekend or to play all four days. But uh, I think Justin Thomas will be your uh, Masters uh, winner. Well, Justin Thomas and John Rahm are the co-favorites at plus 1,200. Are they really? Yeah, Rahm's another guy I'd pick. Yes, a 100. This is this according to the Bodog board, of course. Talk this to me about Bodog. How can I do this, it? This is exclusively on Bodog. Nice. Well, yeah, you go to Bodog, and then you click on Masters, and then it's got all the odds, and then over on the side, it's got a betting slip, and... You register, so a $100 bet would return 1200 on either one of those guys. Uh, Tiger Woods. Yeah, what's his odds? Plus 4000 which means a $100 bet returns $4,000. I mean, you should do that just for, come on. I've already bet, yeah, I should actually, just to see. <clears throat> you know what? I might do that. Um, and then, I, listen, again, I would love it. It's the greatest story in it, you know, but... Unlike 2019 when he won, in 2019 he'd already won a couple of tournaments. He'd been on a on an 18-month rehab program. Mm-hmm. You know, he hasn't played a golf tournament in 17 months. I mean, he played with his kid and everything, but he hasn't played with these guys at this level. I don't know what the analogy would be in sports. You made this point yesterday. There's no other sport where something like this could happen. And it's unique to golf. And yeah, I know you can play forever. And there's guys in this field, Fred Couples, Bernard Langer. You know, they're they're in their 60s, for God's sake. It's a it's the quirk of the sport. I get that. Yeah, they maybe should end that. I think I I agree. You know, as much as I love this golf tournament, Mm -hmm. it has so much. It's so special for a lot of reasons, but it's not the, the, the strength of the field. It. There are tournaments that have way better competition. Well, the sport's never been in better shape with players, right? Good, solid players. And also, viewership is up. Uh, Sponsorship is up. So how many good young players can't play because these old guys get 
a direct uh, invite or whatever you call. Well, it is what I was. The point I was going to make, and the connection is the thing I don't like about the Masters isn't this. Although it's one of the things I don't like. It's an invitational. They can do what they want. It's not a tour event. It's the Masters, and one of the things that makes it so special is the tradition and the fact that people have been playing in this tournament forever, et cetera, et cetera. But instead of a field of 144 players like it would be at the U.S. Open or anything else, you know, it's a select field. They still invite old guys. Like Mike Weir shouldn't be playing in the same tournament as John Rahm and Justin Thomas and all these guys. It's just a, it's yeah. weird. Mm-hmm. But this is the thing that bugs me, and it has bugged me for a long time. One of the traditions of this tournament, because it was started by the greatest amateur in in golf sports history, a guy named Bobby Jones, who never turned pro and as an amateur was the most celebrated athlete of the time, and that time being the 1930s. And so what they did to celebrate amateurs was they always made sure that three or four amateurs were included in the field every year. Mm -hmm. Now, traditionally, that has been the U.S. amateur winner and the runner-up. And it's, it's expanded to the Asia-Pacific amateur winner. Recently, they added the Latin American amateur winner oh. and a, a kid from the Cayman Islands. That's great. But the Cayman Islands is like, I don't know, 100,000 people. So you know where I'm heading. For a, for a while in the 40s, 50s, I don't know exactly when they stopped it. They also invited the Canadian amateur champion to be part of this field. I don't have the facts in front of me, but I, I am, it is a curiosity to me. And I, the reason I thought of this recently is when I found out they had added the Latin American champion to the field. And I'm like, I get it. They're trying to grow the game around the world, and that's fine. It just seems odd, like a lot of things that USA snubs us on. It just seemed weird, like we're their closest neighbor. We're, you know... How, so what, so they're, they're, the Canadian is no longer included? Hasn't, they've stopped it somewhere in the 50s or 60s, or oh, 60s okay. or 70s. Right. They stopped it. And I just wonder, and I, and I, I kind of know why, because they, they would, they would, their uh, rationale would be a lot of Canadian kids are down on U.S. colleges, and that's true. And so they have access and exposure to the U.S. world of golf, but it is still a little bit weird. Canadian amateur could easily be included. Anyway, it just bugs me, and every year I, I'm reminded, I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, I agree. It is. Like, why? Well, wasn't there a time, too, and I may be speaking out of class here, wasn't there a time where the Canadian Open was looked upon as close to a major? Like, yeah. it, was a, it was a very important part of Many years the considered the, considered the fifth major. It was played on one of the most difficult courses they, they play on, on, uh, on tour at Glen Abbey here. Mm-hmm. Hey, listen, the, the Masters... The, the golf course didn't have a black man play a golf tournament there until... What year would you want to want to guess that happened? It was the 70s, wasn't it? 1975. Yeah. A man named Lee Elder. Lee Elder, who just died. Who just passed away. Yeah. And 25 years ago, when Tiger walked up the, the uh, final fairway to win the Masters by 12... Uh, part of the people around that green watching him do it were Lee Elder, the first black man to play a golf tournament there. And famously, all the staff came out. If you ever get a chance to see that picture, it's pretty, it's pretty moving when you see yes. the waiters 
and the, the clubhouse people and the, the caddies, and they're all standing around watching something they'd never thought they'd see. This is before Obama. I'm not saying it's the same, but I'll tell you, in that world, watching a black man win the, the tournament where only... Uh-huh. 25 or 30 years earlier they they played for the first time it's pretty pretty interesting yeah i would have loved to have been in some of the back rooms the boardrooms when that was all starting to uh roll those guys you know those old crusty georgian white guys in a room going what the fuck what are we <laughs> what are we doing how, is- how do we avoid this <laughs> nothing we <laughs> can do true. like What's happened to our sport? Yeah. I'm, oh, I'm sure there was you. some of that. Oh, I bet you there was a lot. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think it's changed because what Tiger, not, not to continue this, and I'll, I'll get off in a second because there's other stuff we have to get to, but I will tell you what Tiger Woods yeah, but did. It's, 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 the, it's the day. I know. But it is golf, and I know that people start to go to sleep. No, it's what more he, like history. What he did on that day not only was historical in terms of the score because up to that point you know no one had won a major by more than a few a few strokes he won it by 12 and i just wonder i don't think they were prepared i mean no one was in this sport for what he was going to be because even the pros at that time there's all this famous uh let me just send a message to this guy here there's all this famous you know, archived v- video of the, the pros at the time, Tom Watson, Paul Azinger, Colin Montgomery. These guys had never seen anyone like that. Uh, Curtis Strange. These are the old guys, the guys that we used to watch. They just didn't know what to, ex- they'd never seen anything like it. Well, yeah, and there was the famous, was it Curtis Strange with yes. the comment about the uh, the banquet? No, no, that was Fuzzy Zeller. Oh, Fuzzy Zeller, I'm sorry. Right. Yeah, tell that, that story. There, that was ni- So this happened in 1997. A man made this comment. Yeah, he had a real attitude, too, because it, it wasn't a joke at the banquet or anything. They asked him on the course, didn't mm-hmm. they? Something about Tiger. What's he going to serve at the, the champ? Banquet. Yeah. When you win, you host the banquet. And he said, yeah, we're going to be having, like, fried chicken and, yeah. and, and, and collard greens or something. And and it, was, it wasn't even one of those, um, well, he's an old guy. You know, we know what he meant. No, he seemed visibly pissed. That Tiger had won, therefore, a black guy. That's the way I received that. Well, in actual fact, it wasn't that he was, you know what? And Fuzzy took a lot of heat for this. Mm-hmm. That's not what happened. He wasn't pissed that Tiger was going to host the thing. What he was was surprised that the, this was at the beginning of the world of right. woke media. But it was right. the kind of thing, What the, to me, the story I remember is he said it. Just like you, you wouldn't say that now, but in those days, you would still think that that was okay to right. say. And the blowback against Fuzzy Zeller was also a bit surprising because, again, it was kind of at the beginning of people's sensitivities. And he, t- t- again, I want to be correct. Fuzzy Zeller was not that kind of guy. And he, he really was su- surprised. But he was a guy from the South, the kind of thing you'd say. Because now the guy that won it last year, Shideki Matsuyama, is Japanese. And mm-hmm. at this year's Champions Dinner two days ago, everyone was talking about the Wagyu beef and the sushi. And they were all excited to eat it. 
Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I thought about that, that comment about mm-hmm. times have changed because everyone was very respectful on the menu a Japanese man was serving. Well, wasn't part of Fuzzy's thing, too? I think you were about to say it, that the attention that Tiger got annoyed him a bit or something. Well, well maybe, but uh, what, yeah. in, 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 this, in this particular case, Fuzzy saying it, mm-hmm. he just thought he could say it and nothing would happen. And he was quite surprised, as a lot of those white guys were, at the blowback mm-hmm. it got. But it was all new. A black man was now the the was on his way to being the greatest golfer of all time and again that must yeah. have tweaked a few people down there in Alabama. well sure it did the same way the first president being black is still an issue down there oh yeah there's people that never want that to happen again uh quickly you know sometimes i fall into these youtube holes and i saw something the other night and it was don rickles stuff and then like, he's on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson one night, you know, and he's just, like, over the top. You know why he'd go crazy on The Tonight Show? Yes. Well, he did the... There was a whole segment where he, he was talking about just different ethnic groups and then mimicking them, right? Oh and he God. ended with a Chinese guy. It's stuff you would never see nowadays. Yeah. And then the black guy says, and he puts the voice on, and he goes, and then somebody... And then he ends it with going, and well, you're wondering why I haven't done... Uh, mention the the Chinese guy. I saw, I saw. Yeah, I know, man. It's like this is the you talk about that, and this would have been mid seventies. Like you would now, now if a guy did that now, well, got nobody would do that now. You know, it's also interesting about when we watch those things. Is I remember watching the mm-hmm. Dean Martin roast, and I loved the Tonight Show. And Rickles was one of my favorites. I didn't even think anything of it. You at the time, you would have not thought a thing, not a thing, including right. stuff about Jewish people, and and yeah. you wouldn't even, especially Rickles, who was so good at it, and so and his whole excuse was, well, you know, I kid everybody, you know. Um. Anyway, do you want to? Uh, I've got uh, Ron standing by. Do you want to? Let's just. I've told I've told him to wait, but let's. There's a couple things we need to do before we get to him. I need to do something. You've already done uh, Bodog. Yes, yes, more or less, yes. Yes, yeah, you're okay. good, that's good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did you want to get something uh, out before we talk to this gentleman? Uh, sure, the retirement Sherpa, Tim uh, Niblett, is a uh, portfolio manager. Raymond James, a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund. Uh, Tim, if you have a portfolio and you want someone to have a second look at it, we keep telling you, Tim's the guy, no obligation, he'll give you the straight goods, okay? He's a straight-up, honorable man. We love him. If you want to start from scratch, he's the guy as well. Uh, licensed on both sides of the border. If you're listening in the United States, yeah, you can get a hold of Tim and he can help you. RetirementSherpa.ca. Just uh, getting ready here for our guest. Hey, Ron, why don't you uh, let us say hi. Hear your microphone. Turn your camera on. There you go. He knows how to do this. He's got his own podcast. Ew. Uh, we're going to get to our Gig Sky guest of the day here in a second. Uh, we were talking about Freddie's trip uh, when you went down to the States there. It was just Gig Skying all the way down 95. Did you go 95 or 75? I, I don't really remember. Wherever you go, though, you can use the Gig Sky uh, eSIM. You just download the uh, app or go to uh, gigsky.com. It's for Android or iOS. And you can access affordable mobile data coverage in over 190 countries, but not Russia. Come on, enough with that. Uh, We've all enjoyed this uh, service, and now you can too. Go to gigsky.com and download the app. 
Enter the code HF2022 for $5 off your first plan. And that brings us to this gentleman. As I mentioned earlier, he comes uh, highly recommended by a longtime friend of the show. Ward Anderson said, I've got a buddy coming here. And I'm like, oh, if he's a friend of Ward Anderson's and he's from America, he can't be one of those right wing uh, people that marry their own cousins and shit. Did you see that story, Freddie? The guy uh, guy running for Congress talking about, yeah, yeah, I, I got knocked up a 14-year-old. But it was different. It was like Romeo and Juliet. We'll get to that story. First <laughs> Let's uh, welcome Ron. Ron, I hope I do this right. Placone? Yeah, close enough. I mean, it's Placone, but that totally works. Good to see you guys. And uh, I did not hear about this cousin story. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's not a cousin. uh, It's a story from some guy running for Congress. Well, we'll get to that. He's running for Congress. And he's in full disclosure, he said, when I was, I married a 14-year-old. She got pregnant. We kept the baby. Anyway. Ron, welcome to the program. Yeah, of course. To, yeah, no, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to be here. It is uh, early morning where I'm at here in California. But, oh, nice. Uh, yeah, it, it's been uh, it's been an awesome. I actually wrote down Gig Sky because this will be my first time touring Canada coming up here. I, I've been a couple times, but I've never done a lot of shows in the area. I wouldn't mind if I got to catch a Leafs game. I'm not sure if I'll be able to. Uh, that is uh, the, the things that I really love about your country. The two big things compared here to the states, they both start with H. It's hockey and healthcare. <laughs> that a boy. Those are the two. I'm just like, man, Canada. They really knock it out of the park. And you know, it's it's funny. I actually have a good friend who's a Leafs fan, and, uh, and so I do I. Doesn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm sure you do. I, I hope this doesn't alienate your audience, but I, I grew up in Pittsburgh, so I am a Pittsburgh Penguins fan. But uh, I, I talk hockey with a buddy of mine sometimes who's a Leafs fan, and it's like when I describe what it's like when the team you like wins the Stanley Cup to him, it's like when he describes universal health care to me. <laughs> like, like it's a, it's the same conversation. He's like, yeah, it really is nice. I don't take it for granted. I do cherish it every time. You know, <laughs> no, I true. hope you get to experience it someday. Right. I really do. I hope you get it someday. And he'd probably give up his health care to see the Leafs win the Stanley Cup. <laughs> That's um, for sure. You would. Let, let me just ask you quickly on, like, while you're on that. So you grew up in Pittsburgh. I guess it was the, the meat of the Sid the Kid years. Not that they're over, but. Am I correct? You lived in Pittsburgh when they were winning cups with Sidney Crosby or prior oh, yeah, to that man. with Mario? Well, I, well I, I have vague memories of, of well, not vague. The, uh, the recent memories are much more uh, lucid. But, but yeah, no, I remember the, the Pens winning the cup when I was a kid and, and Mario was on the team. Yeah. And then uh, I remember, I mean, I'm pretty much the same age as, as Sidney Crosby. So I remember when right. you know, girls in our class were try, writing him, seeing if he, he'd go to prom with them and right, stuff like funny. that. Hey, Freddie, just something like this quickly. Ron, would you mind turning your mic up a little bit? Because I got to keep boosting his level, mm-hmm. Fred, and then I have to put, pull, pull it down for you. So How's that? Uh, give me another level here and go. Check, 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 check. Higher if you can. Oh, okay. All right. Check, yeah, right, check, check, check. Right check. there is perfect. Right. Okay. All right. Yeah, and, sorry and, about that. And the only follow-up question to that, and then we can move on from hockey, is in Pittsburgh, because it always fascinates me, there's the Steelers, the Pirates, and the Penguins. Are the Penguins a distant third? No, definitely no? not. I, I mean, uh, full disclaimer, I have not lived in Pittsburgh in well over 10 years. Okay. Um, right. And I'm and where also, do you live now? Uh, Los Angeles. Okay. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, but I'm a huge, 
hockey fan, so I guess mm-hmm. maybe I'm a bit biased, but I would say that the Pirates are are the third. Uh, oh, okay. Because yeah, I mean hockey because they stink. Mm. That that's part of it. They're not very good, but but uh, but yeah, I mean okay. football is definitely like the big gold star. But but I, I would argue the Pens are second. A lot of people love them. So well, right. Ron. Um, we're happy to have you here. If you want to know more about Ron, Ron Placone, P-L-A-C-O-N-E dot com. Uh, I'll mention uh, where you can uh, see him here in the city on the 18th at the Social Capital Theater in Ottawa, April 20, Montreal, April 21st. And I, I'm curious. So you're about the awards. We're friends of awards. I actually met Ward in between radio gigs. I'd gone back to doing some stand up and I had gone on stage one night and started talking to Ward and found out he was a broadcast fan and we that's how and he started doing a podcast on our network whatever um so you've been a stand-up comic for a long time we've been doing radio and and other stuff and podcasting for a really we're into our 11th year of it I wanted to ask you this so your podcast the get your news on with Ron is it I don't want to say that a typical stand up where you're just interviewing your friends about shit that they like or is it an actual podcast where you come up with a, it's a it's a, it's a standalone outside of being a comic? Yeah, it's uh, definitely not a, a, a stand up podcast by any means. It, it is uh, it's called Get Your News On with Ron and, and it's basically news that I find to be important, I kind of share. And I I just do so through my own lens, and I just talk about things that I think are important. And I like a lot of... uh, I have a lot of interest in news and politics that are very... underreported issues like I'm really into digital rights and you know climate change and, and things like that so so I talk about things that are often neglected by the corporate press especially here in the United States you all have the CBC up in Canada and it is a little better than what we got down here but um but yeah so so that that's my show so the know? last couple of years uh, like our show you basically describe you know our program now after years of being radio guys has devolved into just what do we decide every day we just want to talk about stuff that's in, of interest to us how have the last couple of years stretching into the beginning of the trump fucking revolution um how has that been for you everything's fine i mean some days i'm just like the world is so great what can i possibly talk about the the climate is doing absolutely fine uh you know the economy's great we're not you know causing war everywhere it's uh it's wonderful there's not a healthcare crisis in the united states <laughs> at all at all things are going great i i don't know what to talk about i mean there are some days where i'm just like should we just skip the show and you know i stream live too so sometimes people in the chat are like yeah like it's, it's just great. Let's just go pick some flowers. No, there's always been more than enough to talk about. I mean, you, especially these past two years, you, you try to find uh, you try to find some silver linings where you can. I mean, I got married right before the shutdown. I got very, very lucky. My wife and I, our wedding date happened to be like right before the world completely uh, freaking changed, which is uh, the one advantage of that is that, you know, when people would tell you that your wedding was the highlight of their year, they weren't making it up that time. <laughs> they were they were actually sincere that our wedding was the highlight. And, you know, the other cool thing about getting married as of recent, uh, 
Nobody asks you about children. That's I've completely dodged that. No one has asked either one of us. No one is looking around going, uh, hey, you wanna you wanna populate this? Huh? <laughs> what a great opportunity. You wanna add to this? No one's asking us at all. And I I'll be honest with you guys. I, I you know, it's very early where I am in Los Angeles, so so I'm very vulnerable with my honesty right now. I uh, I'm undecided on kids. I don't know. I might want to go that route. I might not. I uh, I always tell people like I, I feel the same way about kids as I do about group sex. I'm not seeking it out, but right. if my wife was really into the idea, I'd get on board. You know, <laughs> if, she, right. if she was like, if she was like, I'm down. I'd be like, all right, well, I'll be down too. I would even have the same response. To be honest with you, I'd be like, all right, but I'm nervous. Let's do this. <laughs> right. yeah, there be there be. I was gonna say there'd be a lot less apparatus, but you know what? There's you know uh, baby chairs, uh, sex swings. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing, man. You hope nobody tweets about it. It's really the same thing. <laughs> Oh, um, yes. Um, I'm sorry. I'm listening here. And I, what would my uh, well? I, I was going to ask. I thought I thought you had a question, but I was going to ask yeah. one. One of the things that happened to us. It started in 2015 with Trump, and I'm not sure if we were still on Sirius at the time. But what happened was we we were we found it impossible to stop talking about it. And at some point, the audience, and we've had an audience here for over 30 years. At some point, they were like, you know. It's getting a little much. And we thought, okay, you know, maybe we'll stop talking about Trump. And then the pandemic happened and he told everyone to put bleach in their pee holes or whatever. Mm. And, uh, and it was, we found it hard to stop doing it. What about you and your, in two things, in your comedy and on your podcast, is it ever to the point where you're like, I gotta, I have to pull back from this or do you don't give a shit? You know, there's so much going on here. Uh, that like Trump, even when he was in office, I mean, there was just so much like just so much collapsing around us here in the States that it's it's like, yeah, I mean, he was he was definitely around and, and it was something. And, you know, he had a position of power. He was president. But there were just a billion other things, you know, largely as a result of what was going on in government, of course. But but there were just so many other things happening. I, I just I feel like y'all are going to be like, do you think you guys are going to have like something like Trump? Because I kind of I kind of think of it this way. I feel like I feel like you, the United States and Canada, we really are simpatico. We just kind of go in a different order. And, and like my theory is uh, you guys, your Trump was Don Ford. Uh, Rob Ford. Rob Ford. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then your Obama is Justin Trudeau. Mm. And you think you don't not think really. so? Uh, no, yes, no. Not, yeah, not quite the same impact. No, not quite the same impact. You know, we'd, no. we, we've had white guys with nice hair before, so it wasn't <laughs> that unusual. Yeah, and I don't think we'll get a Trump because of Trump. I think Canadians are of a culture of a nature that that was enough for us to see the warning signs. Believe me, there's a lot of wannabe Trumps up here, but yeah. I don't think they're going to see the light of day. I really don't. You know what? Uh, a question I would ask you, you know, here you are again. You seem like a normal middle of the road guy. There doesn't seem to be a big voice for that in America right now. All we hear is the far right shit constantly, maybe because of Fox News. And then the the counter to that is all the far left stuff we hear. Uh, just the average, the middle, uh, middle America. Where is their voice and how will they perform in the midterms 
and you think the next election. Is there a lot of people just sitting there going, yeah, the guys on the far right are stupid. The guys on the far left are stupid. And, you know, I'm just going to wait until it's time to vote. You know, I think our Overton window in the United States is completely ridiculous, to tell you the truth. I mean, something that something that is considered far left here is considered just sort of middle of the road in Canada or and everywhere else in the world, everywhere else in the world. That's why I, like, I yeah. mean, the, the, the thing I love to tell people, I'm like, look, you know. In most other countries, my politics would be considered, you know, on the left. In the United States, I'm considered watch list. You know, it's a very, <laughs> it's a very radical notion to be like, oh, everyone should have health care. Everyone should no, get a living wage. Everyone should, you know, and, and one of the most powerful things, like since we're on this topic, to kind of to kind of link it to, to something up in Canada. Mm. Uh, I don't know if you all ever saw the Michael Moore movie Sicko. But there was a really uh, powerful part in that film that I think especially resonated with people in the United States where he's talking to that guy up in Canada and the guy in Canada is I think he was in politics, but he was talking about health care there and how it's so important that everyone has health care. And then Michael Moore goes, so you're a big radical lefty then, Mm -hmm. right? And the guy just reacted as if he asked him. Oh, your favorite food is poutine, right? Or something mm-hmm. like that. Like, like the, the follow-up question made no sense based on what they were talking about. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and the guy just looked at him and he's like, "Actually, here I'm considered a conservative. Is that okay?" And I think <laughs> in the United States, we all just had a moment where no, I get this it. is well, yeah. so ridiculous. So, I mean, to 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 go to answer your question, and, and I'm sorry if I went a roundabout way of doing it. I feel like the Overton window in the United States is kind of crumbling. And and that's why you had a a Bernie Sanders who was going into red state America and getting standing ovations and getting applause breaks. And he was filling up stadiums. Um, And we're finally getting to a point where socialism isn't a dirty word. I just want to jump in there because it's funny. I just watched I watched some uh, something this morning. Matt Gates talking to the head of the uh, armed forces talking about, well, you guys would be doing a lot better if it wasn't for the socialization of the forces. And he's like, what are you fucking talking about? Mm-hmm. But it's it's the buzzword. Oh, we're allowed to cuss here. I didn't know. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. Sorry. Um, but it's it's the rat. You know, it, it's the demonization in the in the states of anything that is sort of seen as caring for people. It's it's it is weird for us. I, I saw this uh, quote here on Twitter. I, I just picked it out. Uh, and it, it's apropos of what you're saying. And somebody said, it always cracks me up when the left is referred to as radical, like the left is running around carrying assault rifles, denying science and discussing not accepting the results of an election. If there's anything radical in your country, it's those guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and we really Trump really did bring that out. But I mean, it is totally still there. And, and you know, to be honest with you, I mean, I'm not a fan of Biden either. I mean, I, I was a big Bernie guy. I thought that was the direction we needed to go. Um, well, I still do feel that way. I mean, it's like things have not really been getting better here. Um, so we are in a, a moment where we need to have some we need to really have some status quo shifting change. And most Americans want that. I mean, you know, the most popular political party in the United States, not affiliated. Most people like like neither well, party <clears throat> speaks for them at all. And when you look at it, you know, through the lens of like a more worldly Overton window, we, we have two far right parties. 
Yeah, well, there you go. See, I think you just answered my question. That was a, that's what I'm getting at. I think those people, you know, they're just... You're not hearing from them right now. And again, the far right, they look at the far left, meaning AOC and that, you know, the 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 part of the left wing party that's probably naive. What they talk about can never be achieved. So why even why even talking about it? But that whole group in the middle, I think, are just sitting there in the weeds ready to pounce. And I think that's a good thing for America. I really do. Well, I mean, I, I hope there's a kind of restructuring. I, I mean, I, I don't, you know. I mean, what do they talk about that can't be achieved? They talk about universal health care. You all have that. I feel like if Canada could do it, we could do it in the United States. We even have a proposal for it. It's called mm-hmm. Medicare for All, and, and I hope mm-hmm. it comes to fruition. So, you know, and, and, I, and I don't think we need to be doing what we do as far as the war machine goes. There's no reason for it. Like, there's nothing There's nothing written in the books where it's like someone has to be the empire for oil, uh, and it's got to be the United States. That's not written anywhere. Mm-hmm. So uh, I say let's uh, let's end that. It's time to move on. It's time to get off fossil fuels, and, and we can do that. The IPCC says we have three years to really start acting. And, you know, I refuse to accept that humanity has peaked. Like, I just refuse to accept that. That guy's always existed in history, by the way. There was always some guy. You could take it as far back as you want to go. Like, when they were talking about, you can go as far back as the wheel. There was some dude like, well, my feet don't look like a wheel. (laughs) God invented my feet. And then fast forward, like, what do you mean a horseless buggy? I got here on a horse. How did you get here? You know, we moved on then. Sure. Well, people of all, I mean, it's human nature to resist change uh, as a constructive survival you know uh, that's why human beings generally don't like it but you know and it's we've got our own trouble here we had the the convoy and all this stuff and we've had you know the rise of the anti-vaxxer here in Canada but you said something about you know if we can do it here hell universal health care you know all the G20 countries you know all have done better in so many categories you know, I often think of that the beginning of that that iconic scene in the newsroom where Jeff Daniels' character is answering a college student about why America is the greatest country in the world. And he goes on to say about 17 reasons why it's not. And yet, yeah, it's a cute little television clip. But it part of the issue, Ron, and you, you've, you've traveled all over the country, you see it, is that Americans still believe even though they can look around and see the, you know, they can go on the air and go on the internet and Google it, they still, you still believe that, you know, you're that you're doing great, and yet, uh, you know, not only healthcare but life expectancy, levels of education, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's like America is the land that is is being passed by by so many, not just us, by so many other countries. Well, we don't have like actual systems like in canada you guys have an education system you have a health care system we really don't have that i mean we, we have an education system in quotes a health care system in quotes but really they're just systems of exploitation if you want to get a higher education you're going to go into crippling amounts of debt and it's by design because there's a handful of very powerful people that are profiting from it And a lot of Americans, you know, you're right. A lot of them, we don't visit our roommates to the north or the south for that matter. And we don't realize that, yeah, it doesn't have to be that way. 
or you know we're, we're, we buy into some bogus idea that no this is what freedom costs mm-hmm. like, like we, we think that you guys aren't free to do what you want up in Canada we think that you know, know. there's a, there's America I had a Canadian friend who said to me one time this was when there there was a lot of prescription drug things uh, going on because you know here in the States we pay twice mm-hmm. as much for everything uh, another issue and uh, my buddy uh, he was joking because he, he knows me but he just goes Rod do you guys really think there's something wrong with our aspirin? Do you really think we can't do that in Canada? <laughs> that eludes us. And I'm like, no, I know that your aspirin is quite fine. But uh, but yeah, we don't. Um, and, and it's not all American. I mean, a lot of Americans, especially ones who are able to travel, which, you know, not everyone is able to do that. And I understand that. And that, that again, is something by design. Let's have people work in two or three jobs so that they're desperate and that they're being crushed economically. And then if we're really lucky, they'll join the military and we can send them off to a war that shouldn't be happening. There's no freaking reason for it ever. Mm. Uh, That's the American way, baby. Uh, And you know what? I hate to bring it back to hockey, but I am at the point where sometimes if I'm watching a game on television, I will mute it during the Star Spangled Banner, but I unmute it for O Canada. Oh, no, boy. Not, not saying you guys are perfect. You all have your problems. I'm just saying to me, it's an act of defiance. Kind yeah, of I, I often laugh when I hear I'm watching American television and references are made to Canada. Oh, are we going to be like Canada? Are we going to be socialist like Canada? And, they, and I'm not a fan of Justin Trudeau. Believe me, I'm not. But the way he's painted as some whack job left-wing socialist and it's just it's just even not i know case. that i don't yeah. live in canada i know that's ridiculous about him <laughs> yeah and yeah people and, call him that up there oh yeah well not only oh, there yeah, but yeah. down there no, too people in the yeah. state in the states oh. that's the way they look you know, at the Trudeau. like News. you know like socialism has gripped canada when on so many levels and i i we're we're actually freer than americans are because we're not, as you just explained, under the grip of no health care or weird education. Can't go to system. school. Yeah, yeah. You know, let me jump in, Ron. You know, both Fred and I have had, uh, you know, we have a couple kids each. Both of our children went to higher education. You know, it's not Dartmouth or Yale or Harvard, but, you know, good schools. And, and you know, yeah, it costs a few thousand dollars, a few thousand dollars a year to go. But I don't know about your kids, Freddie, but my girls don't have a, a much. There's no student debt that they're carrying for the rest of their lives and and that's something you you hit on it's as far as the american dream the american way if you want to go to those schools i mentioned you either come from a wealthy family or you know either get a scholarship or you're basically going to be paying for it forever and yeah. that's that's not a let's talk a little can we talk a little comedy mm-hmm. before we let you go because i know we <laughs> politics but uh as a stand no, fine i, I know mean, we love this we'll as go a, wherever you want as a stand-up uh have you uh, been on stage since uh rock got slapped in the face Yes. Yeah. Yes, I have. And uh, yeah, you get you get a lot of questions about it. And, uh, you know, I, I I wasn't watching the show when it happened. I don't know if you guys. Yeah, I mean, I watched it, it the next day. Yeah. I'm not a big I'm not a big award show guy. I mean, I never have been. I, I always, you know, I always used to say and, and, you know, he's no longer with us. So this isn't an option. But I always used to say if I want to go to a celebrity circle jerk, I'll just try to get an invite to Hugh Hefner's hot. <laughs> but yeah, but uh, no, rest agree. of power, agree. Hugh Hefner. We agree. <laughs> but so I wasn't watching it. So when I first saw it, you know, I kind of had the first thought that I think a lot of people might have thought like, oh, was this 
was this an act? You know, yeah, was, 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 this a, was this a bit? And then, you know, you, you, you looked into it a little more closely and you're kind of like, OK, yeah, this was not a bit. And, and I actually I retweeted a couple people like I, I actually thought Kathy Griffin, uh, who I, I don't agree with every take she has, but I thought she summed it up very yeah. nicely where she's like, well, now we're all going to be thinking about who's going to want to be the next Will Smith at a club. Uh, she's right. You know, uh, Judah Friedlander, who is a very funny comic, also a personal friend of mine. You know, he had a really good take on it, too. Um, you know, and so, yeah, I mean, and then the guy got a standing ovation later no, after he slapped Chris Rock in the face. And, and that is now some comics, you know, that being said, there are some comics who I think got a, had a little bit of an overreaction. I mean, that's something we always see in society, right? There's always like an overcorrection. There were some comedians out there on Twitter going like, I'm never going on stage again. We will all die. And it's like, okay, relax. Let, let's dial it back a little yeah. bit. No one's coming after I your agree. online dating jokes. All right. Let, let, let's put it in a little perspective. Uh, you know, that being said, of course, Will Smith, I, I think was 110% wrong. Uh, and I tried to make the case of like, look, you know, instead of going up and slapping a comedian, you know what he should have been doing instead? He should have been texting one. And he should have said, hey, give me some zingers because Chris Rock, yeah. he, he just he, he made a joke at my wife's expense. If I win, I'm going to go roast Absolutely. him a little bit. And, and, and we, he could have used his Ron, words. Ron, we said that. We say, you know what? You, mm-hmm. the, the, the power move is to go up and accept the best actor award and then get. And, you know, it's like, do, you know, then uh, respond, respond mm-hmm. with what you got. You got chirp to chirp back. I only asked about you being on stage because I was on stage last Friday night and, you know, I I made some reference to it. The audience all, you know, gets excited. But I'm wondering, like, and and Gerard Campbell made a great, I don't know if you saw his Saturday Night Live uh, monologue, but he made a good point by Monday everyone was talking about it. By the end of the week, it was like people are sick of it already. Now it's week two. Is it even a reference anymore? People are making some memes but uh, yeah, I wonder if there's. I, I don't see them talking about it as much, which which I guess is a little. I mean, I did feel like, like you said, people talked about it nonstop. Yeah, like, like people just kept talking about it nonstop. I even, in the spirit of what we were just talking about, just for fun, I actually wrote some uh, some roast jokes for Will Smith. Like I was like, I was like, look, Will Smith, you should have texted a comedian instead of you know slapping one. You should have texted one and been like, hey, give me some roast jokes on Chris Rock, uh, and uh, and I'm going to use them if I win. I, I even when I was in the shower, I came up with a couple for him where it's like, hey, comedians shouldn't be your enemies, Will Smith. Mm-hmm. You should try to make us your friends. I came up with a couple i'd be like man the movie gi jade it's weird that that's so fresh on chris's mind is from 1997 although i guess if i were him i i too would be obsessed with movies that came out when i was still relevant you know like there, there there's, there's tons of there's tons of zingers that would have been better than what he did would have been way better than what he did yeah how about this one ron how about this one why did will smith hit chris rock with an open hand why because paper beats rock. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> you, that, was, that was my reaction. By the way, before you we can. let you go, you mentioned somebody that I think is really, really funny. A lot of people know this guy, Judah Friedlander from uh, 30 Rock. He was one of the writers. In, uh, and he was on that show. He was great on the show. <clears throat> I just want to say, if you're a fan of stand-up like we are, uh, there's a guy's stand-up that is so underrated. His last... Um, what, what is the one where he just says uh, something? It's called... Um, 
United, the United States is, or America is the greatest country in the United States. Yeah, That's the name of his. Yeah, I mean, you it's want really someone funny. who really, because I mean, yeah, Judas, Judas, a buddy. In fact, he he's the first guy I'll talk shop with when it comes to touring because that guy, he goes all over the world. Yeah, and and he built like a like a. I don't know. I mean, in some ways, it's almost like a one man show, but it's definitely still just straight up stand up uh, where he really just talks about the world and yeah. he talks about the stuff that he and, and he really satirizes. And I'll tell you, Ron, he, he, he reminds me, you remind me a little bit of him and that he is able to have a conversation. And that's why I loved his special about countries, because he mm-hmm. basically goes around the audience and asks people where they're from. And Freddie, he has a thing to say about everybody who's from whether well. it's Germany or, or uh, Amsterdam. It's pretty he's not only smart, but he's very, very funny, much like yourself. New friend of the show, Ron. Uh, Ron Placone, P-L-A-C-O-N-E dot com is where you find out about how uh, you can see Ron when he's at the Social Capital Theatre in Toronto, April 18th, Ottawa the 20th, Montreal the 21st. And uh, we hope you had a good experience, my friend. I had a wonderful experience. In fact, hey, Howard, if you uh, if you want, you can come. Uh, you want to do a set on the show Monday? Be cool to meet you. Is that April Monday, April 21st? April 18th. Oh, April 18th. Yes, I do. All right. You got a spot on the show, man. It'll be cool. You're wow, cool. look at that. There you go. Look um, forward to it. Where is By the way, s- leaf tickets will cost you about uh, five to 600 US. Really? Probably. <laughs> Are you kidding? I, I got to go to a Leafs game. Man, y'all really set it up perfect up there. I mean, obviously, it's your thing. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's funny. I, I went to a Leafs game with someone who had never seen live hockey before. Mm-hmm. But the, but they were like, I, I want to see what all the hype is about. So we're going to go to a Leafs game. And by the end, they were just cheering and screaming and yelling. And they didn't even understand all the rules. But it's just, it's an infectious thing. It's a lot like live comedy. You gotta see it live. No, exactly. And uh, just to be clear, I'm not a Pittsburgh fan or a Leaf fan. I grew up loving the Bruins. You may have heard of them. My wife is from Massachusetts, so we are a Bruins-Pens household. Love the Bruins. Okay, Ron, I'll tell you what. I'll send you an email, and we can talk about how many minutes and all that stuff. I'd love to come and see you. Thanks Um, for having me, guys. All right, my friend. There's Ron Placone. RonPlacone.com. And uh, very nice. And thanks to Ward Anderson for putting us in touch. You can just let yourself out uh, with uh, Ron. I just had a sense he'd be uh, our kind of guy, you know, in America. Where is the Social Capital Theater? I think it's on, um, I'm just removing Ron. I think it's on Young Street, actually. Um, Yeah, go look that up, because I'd love to go and do a set. In the meantime. Oh, the SoCap, they call it. Where is it, Freddie? 154 Danforth. Oh, okay. So it's in the East End. Well, there you go. And what's the... Um, what is the capacity? Because, you know, I only, I only go to a certain size room. <laughs> uh, I'd have to do a little more digging for that. Uh, this program brought to you by GoDaddy. No credit cards required. Can you imagine that nowadaysies? No credit card. No credit card is required. And by the way, I'm doing that Chris Rock joke. Slapping paper covers wrong. You can even start your website for free with GoDaddy. Uh, GoDaddy.ca is where you learn more. And entrepreneurs, people with small businesses. In fact, let me just read you something here, Frederick. Yeah, uh, I saw that. You see mm-hmm. that from uh, Jeremy? Jeremy Long. Yeah, what a guy. 
Jeremy says, guys, I'm starting to get serious on my YouTube channel. So I signed up for GoDaddy, thanks to you guys, and created a website. This is a, I'm word for wording now. Is that even a phrase? It was so simple and affordable. Thank you, says Jeremy Long. And we say thank you, Jeremy, for supporting this program. It really is that simple. You get 24-7 support on the phone with a human being. And they're there to help you every step of the way. Visit GoDaddy.ca to learn more, Fred. Uh, Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. You can get a free quote today. This will work for you and your people. Uh, yeah, all these small companies get together. They create the image of a large company, which means uh, premiums are affordable for all. And they've done a great job of holding the line on premiums over the past few years, which is very good for a small company because, you know... You can't have all these unexpected expenses, uh, really, whether it's uh, prescriptions or dental. Uh, they have the Teladoc system where you don't even have to leave your home and get a diagnosis before venturing out to one of your uh, hospital establishments. It really is great. And uh, they've often uh, they've offered uh, a new uh, uh, a line of products like a um, HR department to help you with that end, uh, a, a mental health option. Uh, which is very prominent in these uh, COVID times. Really, they've got it covered top to bottom. Take the time today, chamberplan.ca. All right. Um, very interesting, eh? guy like that. You know, and, I, and I'm I'm always a curious guy. And he's, I knew he was going to be like, Noel, he's got a... A sense of our country and and such but um it's good to hear that uh you know not everyone is you know on one side or the other although he's definitely more left-leaning than most americans well again but is he like is that left <laughs> you know that's the point yeah, it's just everything's so polarized there. You know, even somebody who is, you know, maybe center left or center center left yeah, yeah. is painted as a radical. That, yeah. I mean, that's the problem. You know, and as I keep saying, it's like, you know, people on the far left just want better for everybody. It may be naive, but they want a better planet and they want more money for all. And, and, um, and the to, people on the far right are just evil fuckers. They are. You know, and, you know, and, yeah. and, I, and I know he pushed back at you when you said, yeah. oh, they're naive. But he said, OK, well, what's naive about wanting universal health care? Because right. they're painted as radical because that's what they want. Like I watched Matt mm-hmm. Gates this morning. I didn't. It was too many words, but I, I watched him talk to this competent man and he was just throwing out all that right-wing stuff uh, socialization critical race theory wokeism and and it's what we said recently they just do it because they're they're looking for video for their own they're not really trying to make things better they're just trying to get sound bites for their campaign yeah but the thing about healthcare down there it's like <sighs> They've really, they really missed the boat on it because to jump on that now is just so wildly expensive. Not that it can't be done, but it can't be done the way other civilized Western countries have done it. Mm-hmm. You know, they've been talking about that for as long as Toronto's been talking about improving our transit. <laughs> no, they, but, but I say, Freddie, talk- why can't they do it? Well, I don't know. And why, why, 
is our transit system so far behind other other cities of this size? Yeah, because you, you talk about it and you talk about it, and then something always happens to derail it. You know, it becomes a political uh, football or hot potato, and it's sad because years and years ago they could have been on it, and it wouldn't be an issue now. You know, people would be looked after and. But to, to start that now, just imagine. Look what it costs in Canada. You know, at least we had a head start. And, you know, um, you know, it wasn't always that way. I mean, I, Tommy Douglas, who was a very sort of left-leaning mm-hmm. premier, uh, wasn't he the one that basically started this whole thing back in the late 50s, early 60s? It wasn't always that way. The problem with where they're at there... You mentioned polarization and anything. It's no longer about how do we make life better for the people that we serve. It's how do we make life better for us. And I'm not just saying that's the Republicans. It's also the Democrats, but not to the degree that those guys are like the, the, the I was just looking at some stuff in the last couple of days about, you know, this Katani Jackson Supreme Court candidate. You know, if you look at the qualifications of Mary, what's her name, Coney Barrett, you know, that that judge who's on the Supreme Court now really never served as a judge. She's only she had never practiced this type of law and and her qualifications are are mediocre at best compared to this other human being. And, you know, we all know what it is. They don't. It's the black woman. How can that be anything else? It's the black woman, of course, but it's also the Democrat woman because it doesn't matter. That's the game game they play. And it's just it's nauseating. And that's why I say, too, you know, if this fall the midterms go all Republican, I think that might be a blessing in disguise because then everybody will get a real good taste of it. And then by the time the presidential election rolls around, it'll be rejected. I hope Maybe. you're right. I do. Well, well you know, this often what happens here, right? You get a provincial uh, uh, progressive conservative government, and then federally it's... Yeah. And it flips because people just sort of get a taste of one thing, and then they choose the other the next time around. And, and you're right. Traditionally in the States, too, it goes back and forth. It's a Democrat in the White House. It'll be a you know, Republican Congress and Senate. The only problem is the people, and I, and I was watching, I think Rachel asked me if I'd seen that video from a Trump rally where I told, I told her we played some of the audio from it. You know, the problem is the people that buy into the dogma of the right wing party are and they're sadly the ones who are would benefit the most from socializing, you know, having some socialized health and help. But those people are so far gone. It seems like how do you ever how do you ever get them back? Well, when I see a Trump rally, I think, could I go in that crowd of how many thousand you know, if he says it's 25,000, then it's right. more like 15,000. Could I go in that crowd and meet anyone that I would look as sort of a normal person? Somebody that I could have a, a conversation with without it being like a glassy-eyed yeah. cultist, you know? And believe me, there, there are Trump fans who can tolerate him, might vote for him 
that are that way, but they don't go to those rallies. Yeah, but Freddie, if you <laughs> listen, man, if you ran into a woman at a rally and she started talking about how he's a Christian and and, and you know one of the greatest men ever, you you know honestly, you, you couldn't have a conversation. No. What I was getting to, and I, Dan, I don't know if you saw this story. It's pretty interesting. It's from uh, that site, rawstory.com. Fox viewers were paid. This is an interesting study because we've, oh, yeah, we've talked about this, about this. Yeah, yeah. About how much damage Fox is doing. And, and sometimes I think people might hear that and say, well, well how, much, how much damage could they do? By the way, this will drive you nuts, Fred. <clears throat> that Greg Gutfeld guy, that yes. guy we both hate and want to punch repeatedly, mm-hmm. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Not that the show advocates violence in any way whatsoever. Yeah, but in mm-hmm. some cases, Dan, it's necessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, that guy's ratings are better than Colbert, Fallon, Kimmel. It's unbelievable. Like, so he, anyway, the point is there are people there. They have eyeballs. So a groundbreaking new study paid viewers of the Fox, Fox News Network to watch CNN for 30 days. What they found is that the viewers ultimately became more skeptical and less likely to buy into fake news. The early impacts after just three days showed that the viewers were already starting to change. And what they had done is they'd shown them coverage during a lot of the COVID-19 stuff. And of course, they were getting their information about how it's all fake and the virus isn't real. And and very shortly, um, the point of the study was that within 30 days, those people were almost unradicalized or un you know part of that that mm-hmm. cultish well because it was so ridiculous because they because what happened was they started to see like oh so that's the real news a more balanced uh, no, no, i'm not i'm not following you here they were so the people that watched CNN for thirty days became less radical, became less right wing, became oh, okay. less fake news. They their their opinions evolved uh, and they realized that there was a lot of things that Fox was not covering. A right. lot so of these the, were Fox viewers. That, okay. The yes, they were Fox I viewers that for the study were paid an hourly rate. I think it was seven hours a day. They were watching uh, CNN. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, that's the impression I get whenever CNN, it has its flaws, but it's like, oh, this is this is for grownups. Yeah. I see. Here's the last thing. And the Gutfeld thing, I would just love to see the breakdown of the demographic. Like, that's not, like... No, of course, yeah, his his demo would be much older. Yeah. That's just a bunch of old people that love that shit. Plus, and again, all the Nor... And and Kimmel and and Fallon and the other guy on ABC, they all have to share the normal people. No, exactly. Uh, The last thing, uh, the findings might suggest, this is interesting, that the most cost-effective way for Democrats to win elections is to start running their own infomercials or commercials on the Fox network. Well, I'd love to see that. That'd be great. Oh, yeah. Uh, while Dan Duran does the news, we will be uh, welcoming uh, the producer of this program who just wants to hang out and you know, tell some stories. But first, Dan Duran, are you in, a, in an emotional place where you feel like you can do the news today? I think I can handle it. All right. And, uh, no. Here's to I'm sorry, Dan. What's that? No, I can. I've been uh, preparing myself for uh, you know some time now. Fantastic! Here we now, go. Here's to a fella named Dan Duran, a hell of a guy with a hella big wang, the quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Huh. Dan Duran, the anchor man, comes and has for credentials he has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. 
Dander and the Anchorman's here He's prone to falling off his chair But he's got a big wang so he don't care And his voice is nice and low My voice is nice and low And now live from Lakeside With Humble and Fred News brought to you by Health Gauge Go to Humble and Fred uh, oh, and go to HumbleAndFred.com, but go to HealthGage.com. Put in the promo code HumbleFredHG and get 15% off the wonder that is the Phoenix. The Phoenix Health Gauge Watch keeps track of all your uh, health needs so that here in the land of uh, the lefties where you can go to the hospital for free, you just bring your watch in and go, look, my blood pressure's up. Mm-hmm. Blood oxygen down. Help me. I don't know if that's how you want to talk, but go to healthgauge.com. Humble Fred HG, and now with the news, here's Dan DeRue. Help me! Help me! Anti-vaxxers have found a new thing. Court play. Bunch of right-wingers, a former Trump administration official, and a disgraced former state attorney general have launched an amateur grand jury to vote on whether to indict Dr. Anthony Fauci on fictitious criminal charges. Positions on the grand jury are selling for $25, and if you want a VIP juror position, that goes for as much as $2,500. VIP jurors get one-night access to mingle with anti-vaccine celebs in the grand jury's green room. Ooh. American Grand Jury will start on April 11th. The group will present a live stream presentation of Fauci's prosecution. The mock grand jury will also include evidence presented by vaccine opponents including Dr. or not Dr. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Mm. and Dr. Robert Malone. (laughs) It is, uh, you know, really, it is nothing but the kook squad with these people. It really is. I saw a video yesterday with Mehmet Oz. He's my new fucking demon. Mehmet Oz has this video on his Twitter feed. 3.8 million people and 18 people respond. But it's him at the grocery store, Fred. He's doing this video. He's like, oh, you know, Biden's uh, prices are so high. And he's buying. Mm. He said, said, oh, you know, and and it's funny because he's like, I just stopped by to get some stuff for my wife. Like you like you grocery shop. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Yeah. Delete spot. um, Uh. I think five apples the other day, red prints or whatever you call mm. them. And it was like $9. Yeah. That's Biden's fault, I guess. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, it's Joe Biden's fault that apples are expensive in Canada. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, Dan Duran, do you have any uh, anything else, uh, follow-ups, uh, any other stories? Or uh, apparently, I do. Okay, hang on. Please, please I'm stand by, Dan. Check my notes. Mm, yes. Please stand by. And now with some follow-ups and notes from before, here's Dan Duran. The American nut jobs in Congress now figure pedophilia is the platform to run on. Yeah. Democrats and Republicans that straight from the fold are also pro-pedophiles. So I, I don't know if you're following this at all, but it looks like Judge Katanji Brown Jackson will be confirmed for the Supreme Court today. This week, Jimmy Kimmel mentioned Marjorie Taylor Greene. And now MTG has formally complained to the congressional police. So now here is uh, here's what uh, Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, I'm stalling here because I got a bunch of things here. It's a good thing uh, you have a mouse. <laughs> good thing. <laughs> this is what Kimmel on his show said. That are uh, in the house, like Marjorie Taylor Greene. This one, clan mom, is especially upset <laughs> with the three Republican senators who said they'll vote yes on Judge Katanji Brown Jackson, who's. 
nominated for the Supreme Court, she tweeted, Murkowski, Collins, and Romney are pro-pedophile. They just voted for KBJ. Wow, where is Will Smith when you really need him, huh? So she's she's complaining that uh, Jimmy Kimmel is, you know, is saying people should do violence upon her. That's what it is. This is her twit at ABC. This threat of violence against me by at Jimmy Kimmel has been filed with the at Capitol Police. (laughs) For that, they're all they're all such weasels. They are. And, you know, they're so much against pedophilia. Why don't any of them? Why don't they throw Jim Jordan? Out of their caucus or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Why, why, why is he one of their spokesmen when it's a proven fact that he overlooked pedophilia taking place at Ohio State University under his watch? He was completely aware of it, but for his own benefit, decided to look the other way. Why isn't that like if you're so against it? Well, I mean, the mistake you're making right now is asking a logical question. It has no bearing on anything that's that's real there. That whole cabal of nut jobs. And and, and again, it, it's as I mentioned before, it, it really is just about getting sound bites for their campaigns because Marjorie Taylor Greene, there's a video again. I know, I know mm-hmm. maybe some of the people that support her don't have the Internet, mm-hmm. but if you want if you want to see something truly despicable watch her harass some of the parents of Mm -hmm. one of these uh mass murderers when when Mm -hmm. they came to uh, dc i mean it's just incredible Mm -hmm. so she's harassing the parents of a dead kid Mm -hmm. anyway Anyway. you know know, a lot of people can listen to this and say well again why do they spend so much time in american politics but but hold on but the thing is to me this is world news this is like sort of unprecedented we've never seen this before and it's our neighbor to the south and it's very scary so why wouldn't you talk about it because you know it gets back to what ron the comic what a patroni said or whatever you know he patron he's under the sort of impression that we could go this way yeah and, uh, and believe me, it bleeds over. There's a lot of people. This new blue party and all this bullshit. Oh, yeah. What's going on at West? Believe me, there are people thinking the same way. And this has opened a door for all of them. So that's why we talk about it. Uh, Dan Rand, it's, it's, it's go also ahead. a good example of propaganda in action. And Absolutely. So and a little bit more about how, it's, how it works, right? Yeah, we're seeing it in real yes. time. And, that, and that's why sometimes in the early stages of Trump slash the pandemic, you know, I said this, you know, a couple of people pushed back. Well, you know, it's not like Nazi Germany. I said, well, you know, now you're seeing it is nothing but how they got to the stage they got to in Germany in the late 30s started 10 or 15 years earlier like it is now. Disinformation, you know, polarization, sow mm-hmm. seeds of doubt amongst the population. I mean, those mm-hmm. and I, I feel for some of those people at the Trump rally. I do because. You can't help but have some empathy for how stupid they are, but also how they have been, I don't know, in, indoctrinated into this. What I was going to say, Dan sent me something this week. is so perfect, Dan. It's uh, maybe sent it to Fred about uh, the laws of stupid people. <laughs> like, it's pretty interesting. One mm-hmm. of the first laws is always and inevitably everyone underestimates the number of stupid individuals in circulation. <laughs> <laughs> and that is so true. You know, human beings tend to think and tend to be around other people that are like them. Similar uh, socioeconomic, similar looks. I mean, Dan's, uh, you know, the outlier in our group. He's so good looking. But you know what I mean? 
it's human nature to basically your peer group is there for a reason. You sort mm-hmm. of gravitate toward others like you. Sure. Sure. So we don't understand. I mean, I don't know anybody that's, you know, at a Trump rally, but there are those those people have friends. No, I know. But and again, let's not kid ourselves. I, I've talked about this new blue Ontario, this Ontario party. Yeah. I mean, this stuff is happening around us. And again, like this, this party, this new blue Ontario, they think it's a good move to bring Theron Fleury in to be one of the faces of their party or one of their spokes. Just think about that. That's here in Ontario. So if they think Theron Fleury is a good idea yeah. to be the face of their, what's going on? What are these people all about? What's going on in their minds? What, what is, what's their motive? Well, think about this. They think it's a good idea because they're hearing from people who also think it's a good idea. Yes. I guess. Yeah. Non-stupid yeah. people always underestimate the damaging power of stupid individuals. <laughs> In particular, non-stupid people constantly forget that all the time and places and under any circumstances to deal, blah, blah, blah. Stupid people always, that when you deal with stupid people, it always turns out to be a mistake. <laughs> It's mm-hmm. always a mistake. And my point about what you just said is that they're bringing in mm-hmm. that type of a point of view because they have heard from enough people that are thirsty for it mm-hmm. here in old Canada. Yeah. Oh, my God. And again, um, the point of that is, again, we, we've got to be very careful because, again, we often point fingers south. And then meanwhile, you know, in our own backyard, there's shit going on and it's up to all of us to fucking squash it. Yes. Uh, Mike Boone's here. You know, let's try and end this week on a pleasant mm-hmm. note and, you know, round up some fun and, and get uh, uh, the, the opinion of one of Canada's leading uh, podcast experts. This would be good, a good spot for one of uh, Fred's jokes. No, I'm, I'm tapped out. <laughs> Let Howard go. Quota. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's met his quota. Let Howie grab something there on the thing. Some more dad jokes. Uh, dad, yeah. did you get a haircut? No, I got them all. <laughs> hey, speaking of dad, I just want to say uh, Saturday, my youngest son turns eight. So happy birthday, Jarvis. You put a picture. Oh, happy Jarvis. Yeah, sweet. Jarvis is lovely. But you put a picture of yourself and son number one. Mm. Yes. What's his name again? Uh, James. James. To be uh, school school chums with uh, Colton Duran. Yeah. So James, oh, yeah. uh, Mike put a picture of him and James uh last weekend uh, doing something and I just looked at the picture for a second because I thought you know I met Mike in 2005 and this was just a little baby mm-hmm. he is not only great looking but he's a big he's big man he's big How, you're like you're not short you're 5'10 5'11 right uh 5'9 actually well what's he he's gotta be 6'2 like five, no he looks big compared oh, okay. to me maybe he's like 5'11 alright but I'm yeah. telling you he's, a, he's, and he's got broad shoulders yeah he's so huge he looks, yeah he's built like a he's got broad shoulders <laughs> Why couldn't the bicycle stand up by itself? Because it was too tired. Because it has two tires. Use that when you were at the soul cap. Uh, in yeah, the I'm going to be. I just, you just Ron. Just it's. Fucking by the way, Freddie, it's Placone, not Patron. Right. Okay, Placone. I'm He's, sorry. Because he he listens to Saga all the time. Saga 960. So Who does? Like, you do. That's why Patron is on your mind. That's the guy, right? 
The oh, right. right. That, another whack job coward okay. who wouldn't come on our show because we might ask him some questions he can't answer. Yeah, no one wants to come on this show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'm just going to say, I, I just heard from Ron. He texted me. He said, yeah, man, do 10 minutes, so I'll be doing it. Uh, so April 18th at the SOCAP. Is that what it's called? The social? Yeah, so, social capital. It's on All the right. Danforth. Well, right I'm going to be there. I'm going to be doing my hot called. 10. I'm going to do a hot 10. Why don't we just... Mike, okay, what were you going to say about the new blue? Firstly, yeah, blue, I have something to say. And also, we should book all comics coming to town with yes. the caveat that they book Humble Howard Glass yeah. for opener. He'll be going seven nights a week. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> hey, Freddie, uh, I asked my dog, what's two minus two? He said nothing. <laughs> he got it right. So, Fred. <laughs> always get that right. Frederick. Yeah. This blue party that you keep referencing, uh, and you're the only person I hear referencing it, is super right. fringe in that they have the one MPP but was not elected as a member of the blue party, <laughs> was kicked out of the other party, right. I think, the uh, conservative. Okay. Like, they're, they're just... They just like to make noise. I don't think they they can't actually compete for any seats. I would no, they can't, but they can split the the uh, conservative vote. Uh, that's they, the problem. I think it's super fringe, but yeah, uh, that's a nine sixty spill off. You think it's big? I don't think the blue party is going to make much no, noise. Hey, hey Dan, okay. hey, Dan, right. <laughs> Dan, why can't a nose be twelve inches long? Because then why? it would be a foot. <laughs> That's Here's another one for you for when you talk to your grandkids. Hey, yeah. what does a lemon say when it answers the phone? Yellow. <laughs> anyway. That's gold. Yeah. See, there you That's go. Gold. That's gold. I can just do 10 minutes of that at the so cap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could. I cool will. Venue. Uh, Toronto Mike. Uh, you know Dan- why? Because people, as you've explained, people are stupid and they, they think that's funny. Mm-hmm. Yes, people are. People are. I, that is one of the things, Dan. I, I loved in that thing you sent is that you know, and it's all. It's an old saying: never underestimate. Who said it? P.T. Barnum said it hundreds of years ago: never underestimate. You know how stupid the average person is. How gullible. How and, and again, I'm not saying that we're not. It's just that our job is to be somewhat informed, and of course, we're interested in some you know, different opinions, but most people aren't what, what you just said about funny. Most people don't really require that much. Mm-hmm. No. And to, and to bring politics into it, it was, uh, um, Winston Churchill, I believe who said the greatest argument against democracy is the average voter. Yep. Yeah. It was like, yeah. A five minute conversation. Oh, a five minute conversation yeah. with the average. It's so true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that's why these, Getting back to Gates and Marjorie Taylor and fucking Bobert and whatever. That's why they're so effective, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. They're effective because, and we've said this for a thousand years, most people aren't taking the time to find out what exactly is critical race theory. They just hear it. They don't like black people. And so they don't want it. I know that sounds simple, but really, they're just headlines. They're just noise. Socialism. When they talk about socialism down there, I want to puke. Because, as I said a minute ago, the people that would most benefit from some care are the people who are voting for the people that don't really care for them. When you guys get in the weeds with what's going on down there, and I learn most of it from your your fine podcast, but like, mm. don't you find it just frustrating? Like, at the end of it, you're just completely frustrated, and you have no skin in the game. Like, you can't affect change. No. Like, that's tough. Yeah, and, and that's why we go in and out of it. We haven't talked about it this much in a long time. Um, but it is, you know, part of what interests us, you know. And, 
Uh, maybe it's not interesting to everybody. Uh, no, no, no. You got to talk what you're interested in. If it's uh, golf, then yeah, talk hey, golf. Let's but, talk yeah. Blue Jays. Um, Blue Jays opening uh, tomorrow. Freddie's going to be there on the weekend. I'm going to make plans with Rudra to go to a game sooner than later. I mentioned that. I really. It's been a while since I've been to a game live. I, I enjoy the experience. I'm not going to sit. Where do, where do you guys like to sit there in the big game? For me, I'll. I'd like to sit. Like somewhere off one of the baselines, to be honest with you. I don't mind being in the outfield, but I like to be off third base or first base just because you have a different view of it. What about well, you? Well you like Fred? to take your glove with you to catch. Well, not only that, but drives. I like to, you know, Freddie, I like to score the I like to score the game. You know I'll do no, that. No, I know. You know, I'll do the box. Oh, score. <laughs> you know what I like from an economic standpoint? The seats where I'm gonna be Saturday, upper deck, five hundred level, but behind home plate. Nice. Great perspective. Yep. The seats are only like thirty some odd bucks. I like that's where I like to sit, Dan, and that's where I'm sitting Saturday. My favorite so, Blue Jay memory was sitting off the, uh, I want to say somewhere high up, but off the between home and first with my dad uh, in the playoff run uh, in the early 90s. And I remember I've told this story about saying to my dad, looking around, going, you know, there's more people in this room than live in our city, you know, like mm-hmm. Moose Jaw's 35,000 people. My, my memory like that is. Uh, Upper deck, uh, right field line, sitting there when Joe Carter hit the home run. Touch them all, Joe. I was there for that. It was a oh, great really? moment. Yes. Wow. Didn't even see the ball. Like, he swung the bat, and the, the fans Went jumped crazy, up. Yeah. I, but, I was yeah, going to say. Was, I had shitty, a shit, sort of shitty seats, but I was in the building. It was great. Wow. Wow. I just remember my dad and I leaving the game that night and this is the difference between living in moose jaw and living in toronto it took us a half an hour to get out of the parking lot we were in <laughs> you know it's so funny because in moose yeah. jaw you're like in a half an hour you can drive to regina and back right right, right, right. Remember, <laughs> my dad was getting a bit antsy like the rest of us just taking for fucking granted it's like yeah this is right. how long shit takes yeah. but we were underground and just kept inching up to the we were on the ramp you know, and my dad's sort of like, how much longer is this going to take? I go, the fucking could be forever. <laughs> yeah. So, Fred uh, and, and Howard and Dan, if you want a good, solid primer for this 2022 Blue Jays season, I had Mike Wilner in the backyard yes. yesterday. We did this really, like, we just went position by position and got totally, like, jazzed for this season because this is a very good ball team. Yeah, I, I, well, I've heard you guys say it, and that's why I said I, I, I reached a Ruger, reached out to me, reached out to me, and I heard me talking about wanting to go to a game. I just enjoy the experience too. It's been a while, and uh, and now that the team is better, more exciting, more fans. There was a time there for a while where they weren't drawing like eighteen thousand and no, sixteen thousand. No. Um, the Toronto in me is very apprehensive, though, because well, I think be. it was, t- it was two thousand thirteen. Remember when they signed all those players? And it was yeah, supposed to be a great year, and they fi- yeah. and they finished last. Um, that's the Toronto in <laughs> yeah. me. Though. I hear you, friend. With but good the, reason, though. The young bucks. I'm just if you go. You know, I know. It is quite the incredible lineup, and the starting oh. staff is as strong as any Blue Jays team ever. This starting, yes, I know. Yeah, but it give is. the guy a break. You've got one of the top goal scorers in hockey, and you're going to make the playoffs and have one round, and it doesn't matter. It's Toronto. You got mm-hmm. a guy that could score sixty goals, yeah, and you can't win a playoff game. We have lots of guys on this Jays team, and uh, I always remember. You know, we talked about Pittsburgh Penguins with your previous guest, uh, and I remember those early Mario Lemieux Penguins teams were awful because you you need support. Like you can't throw one fantastic player on a hockey team. I mean, or a baseball right. team, but those Mario Lemieux teams in the beginning were terrible. 
Like he yes, needed a bunch of guys around him. And there's the difference between the Toronto Blue Jays and the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Blue Jays are built properly. The Maple Leafs are not. And that's why I think you'll see the Blue Jays have postseason success and the Maple Leafs will not. Here's a team sport question because I, I had we had talked about Matthews yesterday. I was seven goals behind. I thought he had 47. He had 54. And he's on his way to 60. Mm-hmm. Here's my question about a team sport. My point to Fred yesterday, Mike, was about impact that a, that a, a one superstar can make. Yep. Can a superstar make a bigger impact in hockey, basketball, or baseball? Oh, basketball by a country mile. I think, too. Yeah, I would agree. I've seen teams that were garbage. They had number one draft pick, drafted LeBron James, yeah. and suddenly playoff team competitive Honestly, one player in basketball can make the rest. Yeah. Well, and and maybe I I agree, I guess, because I think about it like one, a basketball player that's head and shoulders above everyone else can have an effect because they're on the court. Like Jordan was eating up 40 minutes, 38, 45. Well, yeah. yeah. And then LeBron goes to Miami. They win. And then he went to the Lakers won with him, too. Right. Yeah. He went in the three places. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. I totally agree. And look what. Um. Um, what's his head did with the blue uh, with the uh, with the Raptors in 2019? What's his name? Kawhi Who Leonard. Left? Kawhi cool. Leonard. Yeah. You know, a super like really, he was. You know, he had a reputation being one of the top five players. He comes to Toronto with the existing team, and oh, they win. Yeah, right. that's still the amazing. About, when I think back, mm-hmm. it is, and, and think about baseball though. You could have the number one pitcher. Yeah. Yeah, and it wouldn't make a difference. You might win a few more games, but you're not. That doesn't get you to uh, playoffs and no, a championship. If I may, real quick, we had Roger Clemens for two seasons. Okay, he he yeah. led the league yes. both years for wins, ERA, and strikeouts. I believe, and won and, the Cy Young. Yeah. yeah, and so unbeatable, best pitcher in the game for two years, and no no sniff of a playoff spot. No, not even a sniff. well. It's only twenty percent of your staff, yeah, your pitching staff. So so yeah, enough. once every five games you're getting on the field. But I wonder if yeah, I mean. I, I would imagine somebody hitting 325 to 350 again. That's only one out of nine at-bats. Um, by the way, uh, as, we're, as we're recording this on uh, Thursday morning, it's 914. And uh, Jose Maria Olazabal is leading the Masters after two holes. Unfortunately, Mike Weir double bogeyed the first hole. But uh, there's another thing, too. There's part of Masters lore. Mike Weir... And uh, another Canadian named Mackenzie Hughes, who's from around here, won the par three contest yesterday. No one in Masters history has ever won that and then won the tournament. So that eliminates the Canadians. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) You know who doesn't play in the par three and and, and never has, I bet? Tiger, because he knows that. Do you think on a good day I could double bogey the first hole at Augusta? What do you mean on a good day? Well, I I suck, but I'm just saying I I often get double bogeys. Could I yeah. double bogey the first hole at Augusta? Mike's saying yes, but I'm. What do you t- say, Howard? Well, here's the thing: from the members' tees, so from where the people who play it regularly, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think there's a chance. From where they're playing it, no, you couldn't, okay, because it's too long for you to reach the green or near the green in three. Okay. You'd be there and, um, you know, who knows? Listen, it's a, it's a great... People will be talking about that for years. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's what I love. But that's one of the things I love about golf. Like, 
those situations where, you know, a professional golfer will triple bogey a hole. And it's like, you know, maybe if I played that on that particular day, I wouldn't. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no. I, I, and there is no other sport like that. There's no way yeah. you're, you're, you're not getting on the field against major league pitching and no. touching the ball. No. I mean, you, even if you stood there, you couldn't touch it. And even like the National Hockey League now, the speed and the size, uh, the size those guys are and the speed they move at, you would just be standing there like falling over. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think there's a there's no other sport where, you you know, on Mondays after the like this Monday after the tournament, they have a lottery of all the Mm -hmm. sports people, of all the writers and commentators, all the media that have that's covering the Masters this week and they do a lottery. And they pick about, mm-hmm. I don't know, 20, 30 guys, right. and they play the course. Yeah. So I know some guys that have been in that on the right. Monday. Right. And, uh, and they play it from the same place the pros did. And yeah. I know one very good player who, who could, I don't think he broke 100. Right. Um, although I could see you in the paint with LeBron. I could. I could. <laughs> well, I could post up. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, I could. Yeah. I could. I have long yeah. arms. It would be. It would get a little physical, but I could see I'm, that. Seriously, I'm like, I, I'd get right in his face. Well, actually, I'd get right in. I'd write. I'd get it right in his sternum. <laughs> anyway, I'd hate to see. This. Hey, can uh, I read? Can, can you I read, read something? Sure. It's real time. Can I, can I just ask a question? Oh, Dan now? has a question. Dan first. So, in in the uh, in the Masters or any of these golf cor- uh, these tournaments, are you not allowed to 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 use a golf cart? No, like that is for, correct. For <laughs> at, the, at the professional level, there's no carts. That's right. Oh, oh, so well, to clarify that. Only a pull cart, Dan. You can use a pull cart. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> so Tiger's got his little fucking buggy. <laughs> so he's, Tiger, Dan, and now here's Tiger Woods, who this year famously decided not to use a caddy, but he's got a pull cart. So he'll so be able would, to walk the course. People with disabilities wouldn't get any kind of One guy, famously a guy years ago, Casey, I talked about this. Casey Martin had a disability that blocked blood flow to his leg and now has been amputated at the time he made a special went to congress and asked for a dispensation for the people with disabilities and he got to use a cart ah. that's, that's weird because when blood flow stops going to your dick they don't cut it off mm. <laughs> i'll tell you right now blood flow stopped going to dan's dick <laughs> i did hey, fall over hey yeah. Hey, what so, about hey? Would any guys on the PGA tour have tunes while they were playing? No. Yeah, I, do, I wouldn't think so. Eh? No. It's a rule. Would that, that would that be a rule? Like you no. can't play. There's no rule tunes. against that. I'm sure. Um, okay. Yeah, I wouldn't think. Mike, what's your question? What do you want to say? Oh, real quick here. This just well, just to tick you guys off. Uh, there's a comment on your Facebook page right now, and I don't know this guy. I don't want to make you think he's my cousin or something. Mick Banning just wrote on your Facebook live stream. To me, you add a little balance to their show, Mike. A little class and intelligence. Mm. That just happened. That's great. That's uh-huh. great. Well, yeah. Well, so up until now, it's just been horrible for him. But you know what? I will, I will say. you've had so much to say, yeah. too. Yeah, and an impact on our program. Nick Manning, you're a good guy, whoever yeah. you are. <laughs> Thanks for hanging in yeah. for two hours. Yeah. Sorry, the first two hours until Mike got here were just so horrible. Um, <laughs> That's his alarm for uh, Thursdays at 8.50. Hey, listen, guys, we got to get going because, you know, fucking, I got to go watch the Masters. Uh, Tiger's teeing off at 11. Okay. Uh, as I said earlier, there's no way he wins. John Rahm, Justin Thomas uh, were the Bodog favorites. They're co-favorites, actually. I've got Justin in my Masters pool. I got Weir, too, because I like him. You had to pick a past champion, and I love Weir. Uh, anyway, enjoyed everyone. Freddie, do you have anything left? 
No, we're done. Well, then, yeah, before we good. say goodbye, let me uh, play this uh, important message. Cursing during your commute again. Do you find yourself living at work instead of working from home? Couldn't this have been an email? When it feels like all that's left is work hard. You know it's time to play. It's easy to find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Play free casino games, get poker tips, and check out the latest sports odds. Visit Bodog.net today. Hashtag make a play. <laughs> I have a couple of show notes for the Yes, please show notes for everyone, and then uh, Mike will stick around for our meeting. Yeah, and these are related to next week's schedule, so I'll kind of combine these two things here. But so... We have Monday, we have uh, a stand-up comic from Hamilton who was homeless and addicted to drugs. And then he got clean, sober, he got a home, and he got funny. Like, this is going to be an inspiring uh, where, stand-up Where comic. am I opening for him? Well, that's, <laughs> well, trust me, we'll work on that. Who is it, by the way? Uh, Jason Allen. His oh, name I know is. Jason. Yeah, he's a good guy. Okay. Yeah, I've worked with Jason. He's a very interesting character. Okay, he's on the show Monday. Nice. Uh, Tuesday, I just want to let the Hundy P's know that I've written uh, former producer Phil Hong twice to invite him to be our guest on Tuesday. I don't know, Howard, if you heard back from I Phil. I heard, yeah, yeah, that is not. There will be no Phil Hong sighting on oh. the show. Surprise, but you heard back? Surprise. I have he? heard back, yes. Okay, Did I, I'll I'll I didn't, I didn't know you because I, I knew you reached out, but I also okay. reached out and uh, the response I got was, you know, in classic Phil response. So I'll put somebody else on Tuesday's show. Okay. Uh, we'll replace Phil Hall. Or, or it could just be a, you know, guestless Tuesday. Well, there's nothing I'm gonna, wrong. I'm going to speak to that There's nothing Thursday, wrong so. with that. Oh, okay. Hold on. Hold on. I have something to say to that. So Wednesday, Mitch Azaria is going to come back to the show. His new uh, series is called Tripping the Bruce that airs on mm-hmm. uh, TVO. And Mitch will talk about that. And it's, that stuff's amazing. So this is what's happening Thursday because we had a good chat last week. Uh, I'm intentionally keeping Thursdays free of guests. Like I'm not counting Dan as a guest or myself, actually, but I'm ta- I'm going to keep Thursdays free of a guest. I want to hear how it sounds, and I want to get some feedback because uh, this is so. This is our new experiment. That's why I'm going to fill somebody Tuesday. Okay. Phil, well, no, no pun intended. Well, there, we know but. one person's going to hate Thursday at least until you come on. Mick Manning. Mick no, Manning. Mick Manning was there. He loves your show. I don't know Mick no. at all, but that's yeah, just... I, I think, to make I think it's a pseudonym for one of your friends. That's Cam Smith or fucking Stu Stone. That's who it is. <laughs> Cam Smith. Cam Gordon. Cam Gordon, that's right. From Twitter Canada. Okay, so that is our week next week. Uh, yeah, I'm looking Dan Duran, any final thoughts? Will we uh, have an update on Monday from your weight loss journey? Oh, most certainly. It will have begun by then. <laughs> well, you should have done... You should have... Uh, between, you know, when you first come on and now, you should have done a weigh-in. You should have ripped off all your clothes and weighed yourself. Yeah. Well, I've already had many uh, beverages. Okay. Don't you know some your coffees buddy and some by waters? now? Like Dan, I can tell you Dan doesn't want to do this. And we all Just like he, he doesn't, doesn't want to do Toronto Mike. You can read, Dan. No, I know. I know. This is like one of those situations where, uh, and then we're all going to feel weird. I got to make sure, I yeah. got to make sure that I'm in. You know, I don't, I don't make uh, decisions lightly. Okay. You know, so I think you were surprised when you were talking to me now in the kitchen two weeks ago. I think you were surprised at the speed at which I said, sure, if you want to sign up, we'll, we'll, we'll take care of it. So yeah, that, no, I, uh, yeah. yeah, we were going to call you the Noom yeah. Danny. and uh, you, like, You're a guy that makes things happen. I try. Howard's, yeah. Howard's known yeah. you for, what, 40 years? and so long. I've known you for 30. We can just feel it. You're having... You're having second thoughts. Like, you don't want to be... You don't want to have you, this on your mind. Right. Do you want us to fat shame you? Because <laughs> we, we would... <laughs> 
you and how, and Dan, do you want us to? Yeah, yeah, it, it's le- and that's a legitimate concern. I mean, that that is not a criticism because no. the thing is, yeah, like you know, it's become public, and if you venture into this, of course, we're going to be asking you about it. If you'd rather just avoid that, say it now. Like, uh, just say it now. Thank you. Yeah, Dan, I was just laughing because I have a picture yeah. of you and I. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where I was wearing like the 70s shorts, like super short shorts, but you're wearing for some reason a crop top. <laughs> yeah, it's true. He's got, he's got a t shirt on at some cookout we were at in the early 80s, and it's Dan, and he's, and you know, and I'm all I'm saying, if you want to get back to crop top shit. <laughs> If you, if you want that look again, you've got to lose a few pounds. That's quite oh, Look, I got to find that picture. It really always gives me such joy. The two love us yeah. looking like idiots. Mm. Anyway. Hey, well, I, I have something to Yes, to please. Just, just wrap things up. There's a little viral video going on out there. A little kid singing Bob Marley. I thought that would, uh, would help us out. Beautiful. Yes. Don't worry about the thing. to finish off a show with the two of us yelling vile <laughs> stuff back and forth and well done Dan. I hope that kid doesn't get COVID yeah okay <laughs> you know what I bet you that kid's on Noom already little fat kid that's a little fat kid you can just hear it that kid's gotta lose six pounds <laughs> This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by Gig Sky, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Bodog, Health Gauge, and GoDaddy. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran, and remember to listen Monday for more dad jokes and in-depth reviews of the Masters. Like and subscribe. Jigsaw jazz in the get fresh flow. Pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts. Two turntables and a microphone. Bottles and cans, just clap your hands, or just clap your hands. Where?